Well, Merry Christmas. Glad to have you with us this afternoon, and uh, we hope that tomorrow is a great day for you and family, people you love, gathering together, getting to celebrate the birth of Jesus. A um, couple of things. Thanks, guys. Uh, I want to mention, you know, we've been talking now for several weeks about something called the gift, the Christmas gift. This is something that uh, our church does at the end of every year. We, um, we kind of pray about and, and try to let God lead us in selecting someone to partner with uh, where we can make a financial contribution and have a significant, hopefully positive impact uh, with folks. Uh, this year, we actually selected two partners we wanted to work with. One is an organization called Feed My Starving Children. And uh, we decided we were going to purchase 108,000 meals. And, uh, and then come February, we're actually going to gather together as a community and package those meals. These meals, of course, have to be appropriate for children that are actually indeed starving. Um, and we will get to package those meals and ship them off to different parts of the world to feed starving children. We're excited about that ministry partnership. Uh, that's one of the things we're doing. The other thing is we're actually starting another church, uh, a church that's going to talk about Jesus, love Jesus, and somewhat imperfectly portray Jesus to the community. Um, uh, nobody could portray Jesus as well as we do here, <laughs> you know. But uh, we are very excited about starting a church in Centennial of people who aren't perfect and hopefully they won't pretend to be either. We don't think they will. Um, anyway, for these two partnerships, we wanted to put together everything that, that church plant needed to kind of get up and running. Things like children's ministry things and band equipment and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we were seeking to raise $54,000 for this. And we decided we're not gonna let this group go until we get that money. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I, really, I'm excited to tell you we already have the money. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, we've actually, through the just gracious giving of folks, we've already exceeded that amount and the, the dollars that we have that exceed the need we're going to give to other ministry partners that we have. So I want to say thank you to all of you that participated and to those of you that wanted to and waited till today. Eh, tough. Um, no, you can still give, but your, your gifts will go to other ministry partners. But anyway, that's, that's just a cool, cool thing, and we're thankful to God for that. So uh, let's pray. Father, we gather this afternoon because of this very significant event that Christians celebrate, the birth of Jesus. And Father, we are greatly uh, thankful for friends that we have uh, that can be with us at this time of year for family, that's just, uh, that's just a great, great blessing to us. We're thankful to gather here and to focus our thoughts and reflect together. And we would ask you, God, to be our teacher and to speak to us in the moments that we have. And in all of this, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, you know, when Jesus was born, the good news was announced to some shepherds out on a hillside. And uh, if, if I may, because this is always the most engaging way to start any message, I'd like to read to you uh, a short section that describes what happened out on a hillside. This is from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it says, while they were there, while Mary and Joseph were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amazed, I think, because of what the shepherds said. It was quite an unusual declaration. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Understand this is something that the nation of Israel had been waiting for for several millennia. And now there's an announcement that a Messiah, a savior, a son of David has been born. Amazed too, I think, because it was shepherds who were sharing this message. Because you understand shepherds were not important people. Shepherds were not powerful people. They were not celebrated people. Often they were uneducated. Very often too, they were poor. And they served a role in society, but certainly not an important one. Nobody necessarily valued a shepherd, but God did. God took the time to announce the birth of his son to a group of shepherds out in a field up on a hill that evening. It's remarkable really. Uh, and these shepherds listened to the message that was proclaimed to them and they actually, they responded. And you could say that that is what God is doing today all around the world, that very same thing all over the world. The announcement of the birth of God's son is being made to everyone who will listen. It's interesting, the shepherds were the first ones, it says, to spread the word about Jesus. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And the people who heard that message, well, they were amazed, amazed. And today, everywhere the story of Jesus' birth is rehearsed, everywhere that story is being retold, the shepherds are an important part of that story. They're significant players in that story. Now, when the baby the, that the shepherds saw lying in the manger, when that baby grew up, that baby Jesus, this is the one that the angel said would be a savior and a Messiah and the son of David, uh, when that baby became a man and began to teach and was really functioning like a, an itinerant rabbi and people would listen to him teach and wow, what a teacher he was. Uh, one time after teaching thousands and thousands of people, again, we're told out on a hillside, um, and he, after teaching them for the better part of a day, we read these words, that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. When Jesus taught, he would, of course, talk about God in ways that astounded people. 
He talked as if God cared about everybody, rich and poor, men and women, slave and free, Jew and Gentile, educated, uneducated, it didn't matter. He, he made people believe that God was actually real, not just a theological concept of some sort, but was real and that God somehow wanted them to know him. God actually wanted a relationship with him. Now understand, that was actually a new idea in Jesus' day. It was a different emphasis than others had when they talked about God. Jesus would use metaphors and illustrations in ways that people would readily relate. One time he said this, he said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life, he said, for the sheep. He was saying that he cares for his people the way a, a good shepherd cares for his flock. A shepherd guides his flock, a good one. <laughs> uh, a good shepherd makes them lie down in green pastures. A good shepherd takes them to quiet waters where they can drink. He makes sure that they have everything they need. He protects them and cares for them. And this was a different picture of God than other rabbis at that time were painting. Other rabbis were teaching that God was angry. In fact, they would declare that God was, God was distant to the nation of Israel because he was disgusted with the nation of Israel. God wanted rules to be kept and right doctrines to be believed. But relationship, that was not the emphasis. It was rare that any rabbi talked about having a, a relationship with God. But Jesus teaches that God is a person. Jesus would teach that God is present, just like many of us believe God is present right here. Jesus would teach that God wants a personal relationship with you. And that's what I want to talk about with you in the moments that we have together here this afternoon. Uh, you know, on several occasions, Jesus used this analogy of shepherding to talk about how God wants to care for you and how he wants to care for me. In fact, the Bible talks about sheep and shepherding more than it does uh, any other kind of animal uh, in, that you can think of. Uh, for example, I... I I was uh, doing a little study. You can imagine how much time it took me to do this. Do you know how many times in the Bible cattle are mentioned? It took me forever to find this out. Actually, it was just a click of my computer, but 131 times cattle are mentioned. Dogs are mentioned 41 times, eagles 26, pigeons 9. Do you know how often the Bible mentions cats? Zero, zero times. Cats are not in the Bible. You can look it up. Cats were a mistake. God regrets making cats. That's not really true. I love cats. I have a cat. My cat's name's Moses, but uh, I digress. It has nothing to do with the message. Uh, sheep and shepherds are mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. It's pretty amazing. And I think that's because they tell us something really deep about ourselves, about the human condition. Namely, that sheep need a shepherd. You know, there are all kinds of animals that run wild. There are wild dogs and wild boars and wild horses and wild lions and tigers and bears, but there's actually no such thing as a wild sheep. Sheep need guidance. Sheep need protection. Sheep tend to make bad decisions. And truthfully, so do we. Uh, that's why the prophet Isaiah, I think, said, this is some 700 years before Jesus was born. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. 
maybe have heard that verse mentioned before, astray from God, astray from truth, astray from flourishing. And people are that way. Uh, True story. Just a few years ago in a village in eastern Turkey, there was a flock of sheep whose shepherd was not with them at the time. And the lead sheep, I don't know how you get that position or how exactly that's uh, designated, but the lead sheep walked over the edge of a cliff. Do you want to know what the other sheep did? They all followed right over the edge of the cliff. You would think one of them would say, yeah, I don't know about this. You know, everybody keeps going over the cliff. Nobody keeps coming back. Maybe we should think about this, have a little parlay, something. But sheep don't necessarily think that way. They just think, well, you know, Sally went, Pete went. I guess I'll go too. I hope it's not a bad idea. (laughs) I could have not done that. But it was just too low-hanging fruit. Uh, So sadly, friends, people tend to be this way too. I mean, think about it. We live overstressed, hurried, exhausted, little or no margin kinds of lives. We say, well, you know, everybody else does it. So it must be the right thing to do. We we buy jeans with holes in them and pay $200 a pair. Why would we do that? Well, you know, everybody does that. That's, that's what's in. Uh, we run credit card debt through the roof. Why do we do that? Well, everybody does that. We have overcommitted schedules. We sacrifice what really matters for what actually matters less. We neglect important relationships. We neglect family. We neglect our health. Others are doing it, so I'm going to do it too. I'll just follow them right over the edge of the cliff. Now, when Jesus grew up, being who Jesus is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. He knew all of this about us, about human beings. We're told in the Bible that one day when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus understood everybody. Everybody needs a shepherd. And it kind of stings our pride a little bit to hear that, but I think that is exactly true. Everybody needs a shepherd. In fact, we're always creating shepherds for ourselves. Your shepherd is whomever or whatever you are trusting in to make your life work. Your shepherd is who or whatever you think is watching out for you or making your life worthwhile or giving your life meaning. For some people, uh, their job is their shepherd. For others, it's, it's maybe a 401k. Maybe that's what they think is going to take care of them. For others, it's what people think of them. That's, that's their good shepherd. Or it's power, or it's recognition, or it's academic success, or it's leaning into things that kind of take the edge off, some, some addiction, alcohol, whatever. The point is just this. We all have a shepherd. And here's some advice that, You're not asking for, but uh, that's what you expect when you come to church, right? You're going to give advice you don't ask for, but I would would say choose your shepherd very carefully because when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will, we all will, your job and your success and your power and your money and your reputation will not shepherd you there not in the valley of the shadow of death, not when disaster strikes, 
Not when the bottom falls out. Not when relationships crumble. Not when finances fail. Not in the valley of the shadow of death. But here's the good news. If you want, you can have Jesus be your shepherd. That's what the angels were announcing to the shepherds on that hillside out there in Bethlehem, uh, outside of Bethlehem. Uh, That's why Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. That's why he made that declaration. The fact is, Jesus is real. He's not religious fiction. And he wants to care for you. He wants to watch over you and he wants to guide you. He wants to be ever present in your life, always with you as a friend, as a counselor, as a king, as a shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that if you follow Jesus as your shepherd, nothing bad will ever happen to you. What it means is that whatever happens to you, you will never face it alone. It means that you will always have a a good shepherd going through what you're going through with you. Jesus talks about this in a very personal way. Uh, Here's what Jesus says one time in talking to some followers of his. He says, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, out of a pen he's referring to. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And you may be wondering, I, I kind of was around this when I read these words, if that's, is that really true? Do sheep really know their shepherd's voice? Uh, back in October, I was in Gunnison, Colorado, and I stopped by a ranch called Parker Pastures. And there on that ranch was a young woman. Her name was Chloe. She's a high school student, and she's actually a shepherdess, and she raises a flock of sheep. This is Chloe there walking uh, among her sheep. When she went out into the pasture, this was so interesting, she could call them, and they would, they would come over to her, and then she walked out to them and was walking among them, and they would kind of flock around her. And wherever Chloe would go, the sheep would follow her. Uh, wherever she went, they went. Now, I watched this, and I thought, you know, this is interesting. I should give this a try. I should kind of see what happens uh, if I try to get the sheep to follow me. And you can take a look at what happened. So here we are out in the pasture, and uh, Chloe got the sheep out here. And and, uh, this is my opportunity to uh, get the sheep to come to me. And uh, so we'll try this, see how it works. Okay, sheep. I'm your shepherd. Uh, Come here. Love you. <laughs> Hello. Clearly, they're just having trouble hearing me, perhaps. But just, just, just a second. Come on, sheep. I am your good shepherd. Come on, sheep. What's wrong with me? Uh, maybe we're dealing with the remedial sheep. We'll, we'll, we'll see here in a moment. Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. They never really did come on. In fact, a part that we cut out of this, uh, one of the sheep was so disgusted with me, it kind of defecated in my direction uh, for emphasis. Well, the point's pretty obvious. The sheep really do, I found out, know their shepherd's voice. And they really don't follow strangers. In fact, I didn't show you in this video, but, but if I walked toward them, they walked away in the opposite direction. 
And just like sheep come to know and trust and follow their shepherd's voice, you and I, we can do that with Jesus as well. We can actually learn to know, to discern his voice. One of the ways we do that is, is it's not a very glamorous thing, but uh, nevertheless, it's, it's one of the key ways that we get to know Jesus' voice, and that is we get our hands on a Bible. And we read about the life of Jesus. We read his teaching and we seek to understand it and digest it. And we wrestle with it. And uh, we seek to do what he says and we learn to ask him for help. And in the process, we actually develop an ear to discern the voice of Jesus. And we learn to talk to him every day, ask him for wisdom, to seek his strength when we need strength to tell him what's going on inside, in our heart. And we learn to surrender to his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And when we do something wrong, and we will, that's inevitable, we talk to him about it. We confess it to him freely. We ask him to forgive us. Lord, how can I make this thing right? How do I fix this? And then we listen some more and Seek to obey him. That's, that's how I get to know the voice of Jesus and make him my shepherd. Now, uh, as I get to know his voice, I become familiar with his wisdom. I become more familiar with his love and more familiar with his forgiveness and his friendship and the heart and the character of God himself. And uh, this is kind of a beautiful picture. Jesus said about the good shepherd, he said, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When I was on the, the sheep ranch there at Parker Pastures, I asked Chloe, the shepherdess, do you have names for the sheep? Do you name them? And, you know, kind of like a country ranch girl looking at a city slicker, there's kind of a look of chagrin on her face. And she said, no, no, I don't name them. And I said, well, why not? You know, and she said, well, because she sells them for meat. Okay. <laughs> Point being, you don't name animals you plan to butcher. Um, you name animals that you love. You name your pets, pet dog, pet cat. The llama in the picture actually had a name. Tina Fey was the llama's name. <laughs> so that, that they didn't plan to butcher. But So when Jesus says he calls his own sheep by name, understand that's actually very significant. It means that God knows you individually and he cares about you personally. It's not just, you know, God so loved the world, that verse that's kind of become famous, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. No, it's, it's actually even more personal than that. It's God so loved Emily. God so loved JT. God so loved Allie. God so loved me. It's your body and your temperament and your personality and your skills and your abilities that God loves specifically. All of this is very personal with God. So I want you to, to hear very clearly and understand, I hope well, this afternoon that God loves you. God is not neutral about you. God is not disgusted with you. God is not distant from you. God loves you because God made you and he knows you and he calls you by name. Now we all get this more or less. We understand being deeply attached to things that 
that we make. If you have ever been a parent, you don't, you don't take a class on loving your child. You might take a class on parenting your child, but you don't take a class on how to love them. Uh, you don't usually have a struggle to love your son or love your daughter. You just do. It's like a flipping of a switch is turned on inside. And the moment you see that little one, that little boy, that little girl, you just love them. You've made a child <laughs> and it's, it's miraculous. It's incredible. Uh, in fact, you love them so much that as that child starts to grow and they do things like coloring and drawing and making things, awful things, ugly, hideous looking things. But what do you do with those things? You stick them on the refrigerator, right? Ugly as they are, you love who made it. Now understand, bad analogy, I know, but your picture is on God's refrigerator. That's how you matter to him. Now, how much does God love you? Jesus said it. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus did that for people he loved. Jesus died on a cross to express the depths of God's sacrificial love for the forgiveness of my sins and yours if you follow him. That's what his death on the cross is about. Jesus' death opens up the way for us to know God. It opens up the way for us to love God and to have a relationship with God and to have that relationship for all eternity. Now, as many as you, of you know, Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back from the dead. He was resurrected. And his resurrection was proof positive that he had succeeded, that he really was God's unique son, that he really had solved the problems of sin and death, the two biggest problems that we have, the two problems we have no solution for. See, because of sin, our world is often a mess. And because of sin, our relationships are often a mess. And because of sin, I am often a mess, more of a mess than I want you to know. Because of sin, I, I don't love God. Because of sin, I don't believe God. I don't trust God. I, I don't see God at work, even though he's at work all over the place. Because of sin, sometimes I think I am God. Anybody else here ever have that problem? Because of sin, I'm spiritually blind. I'm spiritually dead. But Jesus came to fix and to forgive my problem of sin. This is why the angel said to the shepherds out on that hill outside of Bethlehem, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You bet, great joy. Addressing our greatest problems. His death on the cross was to pay for my sin and to take my punishment. It was meant to give me new life, spiritual life. Now, I realize many of us here, we, we hear the words that I'm saying perhaps, and, and you know, it sounds like a lot of religious talk perhaps. Uh, and you're thinking, you know, I'm not really a religious person, I'm not usually in a church. I got drug here today or I decided at a weak moment to come or whatever, and now I'm here. But I wouldn't normally darken the door of a church. And you should know that Jesus isn't and Jesus wasn't much on religion either. And that's the God's honest truth. Jesus was and is a lot more interested in relationship than he is in religion. 
Jesus' teachings and Jesus' life and Jesus' death, if you know anything about them, you understand that right from the start, he was thinking about people, all kinds of people who weren't religious. They weren't devout followers of Judaism. They were people who mostly thought if there is a God, well, he couldn't possibly be interested at all in me. Those people were of great interest to Jesus. Jesus wanted people to know right from the start that God cared about people, even unreligious people. In fact, Jesus put it this way when he was talking about himself as the good shepherd. He said, uh, he said I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Maybe you're one of those sheep. Maybe you say, I've been to church a few times. I can't uh, really say that I like it that much. I'm not sure I belong with that group. Well, I'll just tell you a secret. Sometimes I don't like it either, and I work in a church. <laughs> you see, Jesus came to the nation Israel, and many of the Israelites thought of themselves as God's special people, right? And by that, they meant the people God loves Best, or perhaps the people God loved instead of other people. But they were so badly mistaken in that opinion. And, and Jesus meant to set them straight on that. Because Jesus said, I have other sheep. And by that, he meant Gentiles. He meant outsiders. He meant sinners and rebels and atheists and scoffers and skeptics and mockers. And here's the thing. Jesus was strangely compelling with all types of people not just religious people. In fact, if you actually read the gospels and read his, about his life, you'll find out that religious people oftentimes were put off by Jesus. When you read the story of Jesus' life, this just jumps out at you. When people listened to Jesus, they found his words incredibly penetrating. It was as if he spoke directly to them and they found his life compelling. As they observed the way Jesus lived his life, he loved people and cared for people that nobody else wanted to bother with. There was something really different about the way Jesus lived. And they found his death at first confusing, but eventually overwhelmingly loving and sacrificial. And so here's the deal. This afternoon, two things. The first is just this. I, I want to invite and challenge you this Christmas to begin a journey, to be intent on getting familiar with Jesus' teaching and not what you've heard someone say Jesus' teaching is, but get familiar with it yourself. His teaching, his life, his death, the claims around this resurrection. How do you do that? Well, if you don't have a Bible, pick one up as you go out into our lobby. As you go out these center doors on the right, there's free Bibles there for you. If you don't have one, pick one up. Start reading uh, the Gospels. The Gospel of John would be a great place to start. I did this many decades ago. It's how I became a follower of Jesus, was just reading and thinking and wrestling with the message there. Get a Bible, start reading it, start a journey. A part of that journey could be something, you know, we have uh, starting in January the 20th, something called Christianity Explored. This is a small group gathering, meets here at the church. Um, and it's, for, it's really designed for people who really have a lot of questions, more questions than any answers about who Jesus is and his life, his teaching and so. 
Uh, this thing is designed for folks to ask those questions. It's not going to answer all the questions, um, but it will wrestle with them. And it will help you wrestle with them and, and figure out what you think about Jesus. There's a second thing I, I want to invite you to do and even I, I would encourage you to do, and that is make Jesus your shepherd if that's where you're at, if that's what you know you want to do. It's not a hard thing to do. You're simply putting him in charge of your life. You ask him to forgive all the ways you've messed up. The Bible's word for that is sin. All the, all the ways you've messed up, all the ways you've hurt others, give all that stuff to him. And you tell him that from now on, it's your intention to be under his care. And, and then you begin to talk to him every day. That's important. And you make it a priority to gather with others who follow him so that you can grow. You know, here at our church on Sunday mornings, we're actually studying the most famous talk that Jesus ever gave. And uh, starting back in January, January 6th, we'll start back into looking at this talk. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We'd love to have you join us for that if you're in this area. But here's the thing. If you do this, if you make him your shepherd, Jesus promises you. He says, surely God's goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will be with God forever in this world and in the next. And that's what it means to make Jesus your good shepherd. And I'm going to ask everybody now, as we close, just to kind of bow your head, reflect for a moment, close your eyes. If you're in a place where this is a decision you want to make or feel led to make, I, I would just encourage you to understand that this is the most important decision that a person ever makes. It's not a casual decision. It's actually a life-altering decision. And I just invite you to make Jesus your good shepherd. And if you want to do that, then you can tell him uh, right now. And you can use words like these. You can simply pray this prayer. Jesus, I'd like to have you as the shepherd of my life. I ask you to forgive my guilt, my shame, my regret, my sin, and to become my friend, my guide, my Lord, and my God. I want to be in a personal relationship with you. Now, if you made that decision, I would love to pray for you. And so with heads still bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer or made that decision today, would you just for a moment, would you just raise your hand right now? God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody who just made that decision. Father, may you draw near to them and may you be their teacher and may you connect them to a place or a gathering of people who follow you, a people who would love them and help them grow, a place where they can discover the joy of spiritual health, spiritual flourishing. God, we thank you for this season of remembering that you sent Jesus to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that he is the good shepherd 
And Father, I pray for everybody who's needing a shepherd today. May they know your love. May they know your provision, your forgiveness, and your peace. May you refresh their soul. May you lead them beside quiet waters and may your rod and your staff comfort them. All of this, Father, we pray in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus, the good shepherd. Amen.